I want to take Truth Currents in a little bit of a different direction today. There's a pastor who has worked beside me for more than 20 years. His name is Emilio Lartigue. Emilio does a podcast that he calls Truth Matters. It's a, it's a sister uh, strategy to Truth Currents. We both are preoccupied with taking biblical truth and applying it uh, philosophically and, and to current events in our day. And we're going to cross over for the next few weeks, and Truth Currents and Truth Matters will share this uh, ongoing conversation about the death of truth. So I hope you enjoy this uh, as we ponder uh, some things about truth in our society, in our churches, and in the life of individuals over the next several weeks. All right, you probably noticed the, the setting looks different for Truth Matters, and that's because I'm on the set with uh, Pastor Michael Gabbert here. Uh, he does Truth Currents, and I do Truth Matters. This is the November surprise I told you about, uh, because the overlap of both of our podcasts is the word truth, and that's something that it motivates both of us to do what we do. And uh, so we, I, I thought it'd be a great idea to get together to discuss one topic for three weeks, and that is the topic of the death of truth. So, uh, Michael, uh, let's get started. We're going to look at that from three different perspectives. The first perspective being the death of truth in society. When I speak of truth, what I mean is, is truth as is a category, uh, not, uh, well, you know what I mean. So, uh, what do you believe is the consequence uh, for the death of truth in a society and for a society? Well, it's interesting, you know, the very phrase, the death of truth, is scoffed at by a lot of people in this generation because um, we've so redefined truth that they, they think that there's no death of truth. Truth has always been whatever we determine it to be, so it's always there. So when you and I talk about truth as an objective category, a standalone reality by which other things can be measured, the death of truth is really the description of just that, the loss of a standard. Yeah, and you can imagine building a house without w without a level and a, and a ruler, or, you know, without any kind of guides to measure whether things are straight or 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 sound, and that's what we have in society. There's several things that happen when truth goes away as a category of of objective reality. One, and and we see all of these right now in our culture. One is we are subject to unprecedented levels of misinformation. Ugh. I mean, there's never been a time in the history of our country uh, where we've had people who have to be skeptical of every single thing that we're told. I think it started uh, years ago with the, with the creation of what we call the 24-hour news cycle. There was a time when, when the evening news was 30 minutes long, and they took everything that happened globally, and they had to pare it down, and you got what was deemed important. Yeah. But now we have 24 hours of programming to fill, and so there's, uh, we've lost the ability to really understand even what's important, much less what's true, because you know the, the, the puppy that gets saved from the burning building, if there's video, that actually carries more weight than, than maybe something truly significant that happened in the Supreme Court. Yeah. And so you know, we have unprecedented levels of misinformation. We're skeptical about everything that we're told, uh, relative truth makes everything that we've ever known in the past irrelevant. Uh, for example, 
we're now told today that if we don't believe that a man can become a woman, that we are anti-science. Well, what that says is that, you know, 10,000 years of human society is thrown out the window and, and we walk away from it and we've defined science and we've defined truth and everything else as something that, that nobody in all of human history had ever heard of before. So we're literally flailing away for a foothold because everything that we inherited, the heritage of being human, has been tossed overboard. Well, you know, because there's no reference point. Exactly. I mean, used to be we could we could tell a lie because we'd point to the referent and then we'd say, "Oh, no, no, this is this is real and that's not." But now, with the if the referent is gone, uh, pretty much everyone's on their own. Well, and so now persuasion is not possible. The only way to win the argument is by sheer power, and that's why we have riots in the streets. That's why we have, you know. There was a new president of Florida University just announced this week, and in uh, an opening question and answer time with the new president and the student body, he couldn't answer any questions because the students shouted him down so that he couldn't talk. This is a university, which by definition is to be a place where we pursue truth, but they didn't even want to hear from him because I, it, I guess it triggered them and they all needed time alone with their puppies, but... Uh, but but that's what we've that's what we've created. This loss of truth means that we can't even have relationships with each other anymore. We can't have conversations. Um, that's probably why everybody shouts at each other. I mean, uh, like you're describing, power becomes truth. Right. Power becomes well. Truth. George Orwell has a great quote. Uh, the the author of 1984. He said all the way back in the early part of the 20th century. He made the statement that history stopped in 1936. And after that, the only thing left was propaganda. Oh. Now, he was talking about Hitler and Stalin and the way they manipulated the media and redefined truth. Orwell goes on to write the book 1984, but I've, I have found that a fascinating quote. History stopped in 1936. Because he just kind of described the process, yeah. what he saw. And Even, after that, all we had was propaganda. You know, it reminds me of, of Pilate. You know, people think that Pilate was really making an inquiry. But when he said, what is truth? He came from a world where power was truth. Mm -hmm. And so he was, I think it's just a skeptic saying, what is truth anyway? Because mm -hmm. he, he didn't have it as a category. He only understood that power was truth. And that probably... Well, and, and truth in the sense that, that Jesus held when he was talking to Pilate, Pilate was confused because that kind of truth, he couldn't imagine that that was worth dying for. Uh. Yeah. Now, from a historical perspective, because you're a uh, historian and uh, you, your specialty is in church history, but to do that, you're also involved with history itself. Uh, have we seen this pattern of, of truth dying before in a society? And do we have some examples that we could point to? Well, I go back to, to Orwell's quote. You know, when he pointed to Hitler, particular and particularly, and also Stalin. Uh, and then we also see uh, communist China in the latter part of the 20th century. Uh, they share some commonalities. Even though their political ideologies had some, some distinct differences, um, one of the things that they did that I think is a direct um, line to the death of truth was they all um, either outlawed or, or rewrote the Bible. 
In fact, today, right now, it hasn't been released yet, but within the next year, we've already been told that the Chinese government, the Communist Party of the Chinese government, uh, is producing a new pro-China version of the Bible. <laughs> well, we all know what that means. Yeah. It means that it will be completely rewritten to accommodate truth to the Chinese presentation of, of whatever's in their best interest. I, was, I remember uh, not a few weeks ago in, our, in the Awana Large group uh, that the, the presenter, was she was talking about her trip to a country, uh, Vietnam, where there was a communist country. And one of the kids says, you mean they can't believe in the Bible? And, and, and Janet, this young lady, this lady was saying no and, and said, why is that? And she really couldn't find an answer. And afterwards I talked to her, I said, because you see in a totalitarian government, they cannot abide a, a standard that calls them into question. Right. So right. they, have, they have to rule through power because they can't persuade. Well, and this is not new. You go all the way back to the New Testament and you find that John the Baptist lost his head because he called out truth to power. He spoke to Herod, and, and Herod ended up executing him uh, and never once charged him with speaking falsehood. No. He knew he spoke truth. That's why, that's why he had to get rid of him. Yeah, and so, the, and, and of course, I think, uh, and you're, you're familiar with this too, uh, Francis Schaeffer's Francis Schaeffer's work of How Then Shall We Live? I mean, he outlined Western civilization, how this pattern has repeated itself, and uh, his thesis led to that uh, eventually, if this continues, both on a personal level and a national level, it leads to chaos, mm -hmm. and which and which then leads then to tyranny, because somebody has to tell somebody what's up, right. what's down, right. and that's that's the power that has to speak to it. Now, what are the, what are the knowing from his, that historical process? What's the likely uh, end results that we can expect if this goes unchecked? This this uh, falling away, this uh, mm -hmm. truth, the death of objective truth? Well, we're already seeing it. Uh, cancel culture is one of those consequences. The idea that, um, that not only are we not allowed to disagree, but I can't even allow you to speak disagreement. And so if you say something that's out of line, I don't, I don't contend against your argument. I try and eliminate you as a speaker in the public square. I cancel you. Uh, but what, what we see now that's even worse than that, um, the internet started out as a, a real opportunity for free speech, but as time has gone on, the internet has been consolidated and centralized, and it is controlled by fewer and fewer hands. And what we see now is, is bone chilling, actually, because what we see now is that those who are in charge of the internet, the, the social media platforms of our day, they are now preemptively censoring people. Uh, we, we just saw the announcement uh, this last week that, um, that T-Mobile, that's not, T-Mobile is not a social media platform. That's just a, a wireless phone carrier. Mm -hmm. And yet we now have proof that T-Mobile is deleting links to unacceptable information in people's private text messages. So I send you a text and say, hey, you should read this article. It's very interesting. And you get the text and there's no link there because T-Mobile has deleted it in the process of sending my text. 
They're now stepping into our private communications and preemptively censoring what we can what, what we can think and what we can talk about. We know we're in, in a totalitarian state when we can no longer even ask certain questions. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because even in, especially as a believer, sometimes people get frightened by all this, but I've visited totalitarian countries and one thing I've discovered is God's people survive and history tells us there is a survival. Truth still exists there, mm-hmm. but there is this, uh, and it's just demonic. I mean, it's satanic at, at its root because that he, he has always been about the business of, of holding down, destroying, deceiving, you know, creating all kinds of alternatives for truth instead of, he's not interested in free speech mm-hmm. unless it's his. Mm-hmm. Or, or if he's, he'll, in fact, he'll, the enemy will allow us, the individual, go ahead, speak your peace. I mean, it's your, allow what we, we would call autonomy, but actually it, it's not autonomy. Well, the oldest lie on record is the enemy in the Garden of Eden saying, did God really say that? Absolutely. You know, bringing, trying to cast doubt on, on God's word. And frankly, the strategy hasn't changed in all these thousands of years. No, no. In fact, I just finished a whole uh, uh, section in uh, Truth Matters dealing with that very thing and it's that same pattern. It ends up, you know, with the, you know, in the garden, we had uh, him saying, oh, no, no, God's holding out on you because he knows that if you do that, you're going to be like God being able to, you know, just exactly, you'll get to decide what's right and wrong. And that's where everybody is now. And what's interesting uh, when you look at it too, you know, this idea of autonomy, you know, we live in an autonomous society. I get to choose. But if I say the wrong thing, my autonomy goes away. Exactly. You only get to choose as long as you choose what the enemy's agenda is. Yeah, it's 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 a hetero, yeah. heteronymous kind of thing. Now, from God's perspective, because He is sovereign in this whole thing, that's the only thing that keeps me sane. He is sovereign, and His hand is on the world. How do you think God will respond to this current sense of what's going on? Well, that's where that's where I draw my encouragement because. In every instance where you can really see um, a societal attack on truth, uh, what God has done is He has strengthened the church. He has, you know, Paul tells us that that um, that preaching is foolishness to the world. Yeah. Well, we could say that another way. Preaching, biblical preaching, is simply truth telling based on the inerrant Word of God. So what Paul is saying is biblical truth-telling is seen by the world as foolishness. Well, that's absolutely where we are. But the fact of the matter is um, God will not be silent. No. I mean, he's the God who has revealed himself. He's the God who has spoken. He gave us his final word in Jesus Christ. But even, uh, even in the time since Jesus Christ, what we call the church age, uh, the spirit is still active and, and moving. And I'm encouraged because while we have political leadership today and we have um, social entertainment leadership, the beautiful people and the celebrity culture that we have, the fact of the matter is I'm seeing regular people um, who who are looking for truth. They're yearning for something and they're very receptive when, when they, when they cross paths with it. Yeah, because I think, of the, I, in fact, hearing that, I remember a scene in, in a movie where, you know, this apocalypse is happening and the, and the order goes out to this little group. He says, save all you can. Because you mentioned 
that the world looks at the gospel and the cross and they think it's foolishness, but the Bible then tells us, but, but it is the power of God to, sa- to save those who believe. I mean, it is the wisdom of God and the power of God that's revealed in this marvelous thing. Because there are people that, I mean, they're confused by what's going on. And they're looking because they remember a time when there was truth. Right. And so they're confused and they're looking. And so I think that provides the opportunity for those who preach the Bible, who provide the truth, to actually provide a beacon, a light, the, the light of the world. Now, individually, individually, a person, we all live individually in a society. How does the Bible instruct individuals to respond and to live in a culture where truth is dying as, as a category? Okay. That's a great question. Um, there's a couple of things that come to mind. First of all, um, in chapter 3 and chapter 4 of the book of Proverbs, uh, the writer of Proverbs makes it very clear that wisdom is something that has to be sought. It's something that you chase after. We have this crazy idea that wisdom comes with age. You know, you don't gain wisdom just because you hang around. I know a lot of stupid old people, <laughs> you know. I know. But, but the Bible says wisdom is something to be pursued. Well, wisdom is understanding truth and then knowing how to apply that truth in practical ways. That's what wisdom is. So it starts with an intentional determination to pursue wisdom. Now, how you do that, you go to the 17th chapter of Acts and you find Paul in a town called Berea. And it says that he presented his case that Jesus was the Messiah And it said the Bereans, every single day after they heard Paul, they went to the scriptures and searched it out to see if what he was telling them was true. They had had a mindset that said, I'm going to go to what I know is true, and I'm going to use that to measure and evaluate everything that I'm being told. So once we've made a decision to pursue wisdom, we have to go to the Word of God and say, okay, now this is the standard. And so the assault of information that comes at me I have to measure against this standard of truth. And I think having a Berean mindset that is skeptical until we've examined how information stands up against what we know is true and this determination to to know wisdom, I I think that's the way you do it. And you have to have a basic understanding that our emotions don't determine truth. Our emotions have to be measured by truth. Because we live in a generation where people say, well, you know, we've got presidents who give speeches and they don't make a logical case for this policy of why this is good for the country. What they do is they say, uh, up in the gallery, there's a uh, Joe Schmo from Ohio. And let me tell you his sad story. And they tell you this heart wrenching story. And then they jump to say, we need to do something about that. And here's this policy. And so what we've done is we've made how I feel about things the standard by which my actions are determined. Act, emotions are great companions, but they are lousy leaders. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I had a lengthy text going on between me and someone in our church, and uh, it's a young person and struggling with direction. He asked me, have you ever heard of this? Have you ever heard of that? And I said, and I sort of gave him direction. I said, but, but, but you know, you need to just stick with the truth. You know, the, uh, there's a saying that Alistair Begg used. I love it. It says that, that the, uh, 
the plain thing is the main thing, and the main thing is the plain thing. God is not trying to hide it. He's provided His Word in, in a form. He's inscripted it and provided it that really uh, we accept and we can accept as it is. I mean, and then the, the in that Scripture, uh, we were teaching in First John, and, and it said, what you've received, remain there, abide there. That that becomes our strength. It's like what we talked about. You, yeah, you can, we, we leave all the judgment of possibilities or what God's going to do. I don't know where we are in the narrative. Mm-hmm. We leave that up to God. But our part, it's like when he told Peter, you, you follow me. That is our, that's, I think, what pulls us to continually emphasize truth. It's important as a category. It's important for us in life. It is, in fact, when I started Truth Matters, it was based on this premise that at the end of Matthew 7, where Jesus says, the man who hears these words of mine and does them is like a man who builds his house on a rock. Mm-hmm. And it stands. It stands in contrast to the that one who builds his house well, that, and yeah. doesn't do it. And that's a perfect illustration because in that story in Matthew chapter 7, there's no difference in the skill of the builder or in the quality of materials that go into the house. There's only one difference, and that is the certainty of the foundation. Absolutely. And we live, we live in a, and we're going to talk about this in our next episode, how this plays out in the in the church. But we live in a generation where even the church has become unmoored from the truth. And once the foundation is gone, it doesn't matter how how structurally sound the house is, everything rests on the foundation. Yeah, and then and that the power of that, I, when I think of it as a message, as a sermon, he says, describing the house built on the sand, and he says, and it collapsed, and great, great was, was its fall. Yeah, End of yeah, sermon. I thought, yeah. whoa, how impactful. He says it, boom, just like that. That's his last illustration yeah. for a message. Yeah. This has been great, and uh, I'm looking forward to the next uh, subject that we're going to look at it from the next perspective. And uh, so thank you so much for looking at this one aspect of uh, what we've got. Good, thank you, Emilio. This is Truth Currents. And truth matters.